Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at Clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com backslash box. Welcome to another Victory Monday edition of the Hidden Yardage Podcast right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. The Dallas Cowboys are officially 6-2 and two going into their bye week with a much-anticipated matchup of Mike McCarthy going back to Green Bay as they continue this NFC North gauntlet on their schedule with the Packers next week. But until then, we have so much to talk about with the Chicago Bears game. It is another Victory Monday, and we're, of course, starting it off the right way. The guys with first and ten as you heard earlier on the network here, and now myself, Sean Martin, here on Hidden Yardage. You can follow me on Twitter at SeanMartinNFL. I'm joined, as always, by LP Cruz. He is on Twitter at SDQ Flight Cruz. So, LP, a bit of a different type of game than what we're used to seeing play out in this early part of the season for the Cowboys as far as some of the yardage and points that the defense allowed, but it was also a different game for the offense in a very positive way. It was the Tony Pollard coming out party as he got the full sale of the RB1 workload for Zeke Elliott officially out of this game. So Elliott probably right at the top of everybody's list as far as players that could use the bye week the most right now. And we'll get into that a bit later, but coming out party for Tony Pollard, he scores three touchdowns as a team. The Cowboys put up 49 it was a vintage offensive performance for Dak Prescott, spreading the ball around. CDLIM gets a touchdown. Dalton Soltz was another big receiving threat as he has looked his best all season long in these last two games with Prescott. So, you know, again, despite the defense showing some weaknesses, they got more than enough support from the offense. Even when this game got a little bit tight, you never felt like the Bears were really going to string together enough plays to fully take the lead just based on the way the pass rush was getting after it against the Bears' offensive line. That's allowed the most sacks in the NFL to this point. And then they pulled away there in the fourth quarter, did the Cowboys, thanks to a Mika Parsons fumble return for a touchdown light in the third, one of the wilder plays of the season so far. All that said, 49-29, your final score to set up another victory Monday to send us into the bye on such a positive note because you look at the NFC standings right now, and of course the Eagles did stay undefeated at 7-0, and but the Cowboys now move in the second place right behind them at 6-2, and thanks to the Giants also dropping to 6-2 and as they lose in Seattle. Yeah, I think uh, with that game, the best way to describe this Cowboys game today is turbulent. He had a lot of ups and downs. It was a very exciting game to watch for the offense, for the defense, maybe not so much at times where you saw kind of their their warts kind of exacerbated by a team that can present problems to you on the on the perimeter. That's what the Bears do, right? The Bears want to run the ball on the perimeter. They want to have their quarterback keep the ball at the perimeter and make you choose. I think it was said well, really well on the broadcast by either Moose Johnson. Uh, he had said, play 11-on-11 11 11 football. You want to do that, and they tried to do that many times whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, the Bears found a way to play one-on-one football throughout the entire field with Justin Fields, oddly enough, aptly named. And uh, I think that was their their thing. That was their bread and butter today. But as you said earlier in the opener, 
just the offense finding their groove, finding their way with Pollard, with Dak, with, with so many guys getting their hands wet uh, is what you wanted to see. And that that's a very positive sign, which only bodes well for the Cowboys going into a bye to, like you also said, going on the road against Green Bay after their bye week. So good way to start off their bye. Great, great way to do it. You know, we didn't quite know it yet, but it was right around this time last year where, you know, we could if we could go into the future at the time, we would have been talking already about, you know, the beginning of the end for this Cowboys team was right around this time last year where you had the Denver game, of course, where you know, the offense just got figured out against simple coverages. And, you know, they came out post game and said, oh, you know, not, nothing got figured out. It was all just, you know, we hope other teams play us in that coverage. And it was kind of a perfect storm of, you know, maybe us underestimating at that time the Broncos a little bit and everything that went wrong in just that one specific game. But it ended up being the narrative of the rest of the season as the Cowboys offense never really got out of their own way and got out of their rut. Much different story in this game. So yes, the 29 points that Dan Quinn's defense gave up was the most they've allowed all season. But the only unanswered points that the Bears scored that the Cowboys offense wasn't immediately ready to match was the Nikhil Harry touchdown working against Kelvin Joseph with Anthony Brown off the field at the time. And then that was followed by Dak Prescott's interception right before the half, which set up another quick Bears field goal. Every other Cowboys ensuing drive after a Bears score, they made quick work of the Chicago defense. Six plays, 75 yards, ending in a Tony Pollard 18-yard touchdown. Seven plays for 75 yards again with Pollard's seven-yard touchdown. And then his big 54-yard touchdown capped off a shorter five-play, 79-yard drive. So last year it was... Man, this defense really needs a lot of help from the offense. They're not getting it right now, and it's going to be really hard to win this way. And now this game turned the page on a defense that's taken the next step all year long. Quinn's defense can legitimately win you games right now, and they even you know scored seven points of their own with the Parsons touchdown today. But also the offense holding up the other end of that, doing more than enough to go answer and be a dynamic team on both sides of the ball which is really what we're looking for if this team is going to contend, you know, not just in the NFC beast, we might, we can call it, but the NFC as a whole. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think you look at the NFC East way stacks, I mean, we're going to talk about this a lot later on, but um, you kind of see teams kind of finding their way in their, their pecking order where they kind of fall in line to. And I think the Cowboys have set themselves up very well with the other facets that they have. The other teams can't compete. When you look at the Cowboys, they they win the game in three phases. Offense, defense, and the kicking game, and the return game. And the other teams in their division don't have that. So it's a good trump card to have in the back of your pocket whenever you face a team like the Cowboys, knowing that, hey, they could beat me in a, in a myriad of different ways. I think that's what's what stands about this team and how they just respond to the adversity throughout the course of the game. And it happened a lot in this game. It happened a lot of times in this game where um, this is a good football team. But this football team tends to leave a lot of food on their table and a lot of food on their plate. And you saw kind of what allowed the Bears to come back in the game was the mistakes. You know, the, the drop by, by Michael Gallup near his own end zone. You saw the, uh, the mistake by, I believe it was, I want to say Dante Fowler in the neutral zone. That led to that, that Bears drive to be extended again, which they got a fourth down conversion to keep that drive going. Uh, the mistake by Golston that wiped away a, a pick from Trayvon Diggs. It, it's... It's a very good club and a very good football team, but you, you want them to, over the bye week, eliminate the, the mistakes, these self-inflicted errors, eliminate those mistakes because I think they said they are eighth uh, most in penalties in the NFL once again. That, that has to get fixed. Uh, you have to eliminate those mistakes to be a contender as we think they might be. 
uh, you have to fix that problem. You got to alleviate these penalties that are just so troublesome, and they've been for the last couple of years. Fowler did come up with a sack later in the game. The Cowboys defense holds the Bears to 6 of 15 on third down, so a big positive for them there, and they did come up with three other sacks in the game for a total of four. Javon Coast got in on the action. Dante Fowler, as I mentioned, as along, along with Demarcus Lawrence and Oso Digizua from the defensive tackle spot. And, you know, one thing I've been talking about LP for weeks on this show, it seems, is kind of this idea that, you know, like I already mentioned off the top, Kellen Moore's offense got figured out hard last year. He wasn't able to adjust. And, you know, at this point, I don't know if it's fair to call him an old dog, but we all know the expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And it, it's getting close to that point. For Kellen Moore. So I think the most encouraging thing for the offense this year, like I said, I've been talking about this almost every episode, but it keeps coming up on game days, is the fact that you know he's almost gotten lucky in a way this year, just based on how much of a slog a 17-game season is because of the injuries and some of the lineup changes. You know, they haven't had to show their exact same cards for many of these first eight games and now coming down the stretch, there's still room to grow on offense. You still, you know, can welcome Ezekiel Elliott back after the bye. And we're about to talk about, you know, what that means as far as the dynamic with Pollard who just had his career game against the Bears. But he's gotten lucky in that sense where, you know, now defensive coordinators putting on this team, do you go back to the Cooper Russ tape to just try to get their tendencies that were still working so well under Russ? Do you start watching, you know, what Prescott did when he's already had games where they leaned on the run game and it worked last week, or he had a game like this against the Bears where, yeah, the run game was still just as efficient, but that really set up the play-action game and other things with Prescott to just tear you know, the Chicago defense apart and also score a touchdown on the ground himself. So as opposed to us asking you know, for the second year in a row, oh, can Kellen Moore's offense be this you know, diverse change every week type of thing? They, their best offense has been coming out in the same formation over and over again, but having so many different looks to throw out of it, it's really a beautiful thing to see. I mean, they will come out there with all three tight ends, Dalton Soltz, Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, Tony Pollard in the backfield, and you have no idea if it's a run to Pollard where those tight ends are going to slam downhill and you're going to get Tyler Smith pulling and he's going to go bust it for a 50-yard touchdown, or we're going to fake it to Pollard and then Peyton Hendershot you know, has proven he can get wide open make every catch that you need, you know, down there in the red zone. So that's the type of offense that's encouraging as far as this team not falling into the same mistake of how they went down the stretch last year and how they'll stack up trying to get these wins enough to pass the Eagles right now uh, going forward outside of the bye week. I think you make a great point. And that is the diversity just by adversity, right? That That's the, the overarching theme is you've been forced to be more diverse in your approach based on what you don't have available to you. And look, we, we've all been there. We've all been out in the field working in the workforce where you get to a job. You do feel a little bit overwhelmed because you're new at your job. But after a while, and I can relate to this just by being a writer with you guys, I've learned how to write. Now I feel like I understand how to write. Now I know how to dig into my bag of tricks that I've learned through the, the process. That could be Kellen Moore where he's just learning the ropes a little bit and the experience is helping him to learn. Okay, I did this last year, but that's not my right process. Maybe I should do it this way. But I have also this to lean from and i think that's the best thing is he's had to learn like you said based on the lack of resources he's had and it's been changing every single week now and not just by schematics not just by the 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 raw tape and what it looks like but the personnel groupings now are different right do i prepare for noah brown oh i got to think about noah brown oh wait they're running the the jet motion with kamante turpin now 
oh, I got to think about Dak keeping the ball in the red zone again. It's it's so many things now that you can just pull into your bag of tricks. And now people may not see it. So it's it's the best thing that could have happened to this offense was having to do more with less. And it's funny because narratively people talk about, oh, the best quarterbacks do more with less. They do more with less. The best offensive coordinators are the ones that do more with less. And I think you want to see that. You want to see him grow and have to kind of game plan his way around the personnel and the guys that weren't there. You saw more Dalen Tolbert today, but Dalen Tolbert was there as a result of no Noah Brown. So as they kind of get moving forward and you have new guys kind of flow in, flow out, that can contribute in so many different ways. Even a guy today was Malik Davis. He fit right in. He fit right in. He did good. I mean, he did some good things in the passing game, in the running game. He held on to the football. He had a great block in blitz protection, by the way, over the middle of the field to CeeDee Lamb, where Dak had time in the pocket, clean pocket up front, and it was a stunt, I believe, up front by the Bears, and Malik Davis picked it up perfectly. Those things are great. Those things are, are great things, and you look at this team as a whole, not just the offense, but as a whole, there's so many guys that go in and out. You'll see every now and then a guy, I think in the last maybe four or five weeks, someone goes to IR. But one guy slides right into play. You have Devin Harper go out to IR, in comes uh, Damone Clark. And it's it's been great to have this depth on this team where they can just withstand things. Even you lose Jordan Lewis, but Deron Bland has a key pass breakup in the end zone, you know, after the, the turnover. So it's a lot of guys contributing in a lot of different ways. And I think not just Kellen Moore in the offense, but the entire coaching staff and these players, they're together, they're a community, they're solid. And they're very, very strong as one. I got to say that. I'm glad you mentioned the Malik Davis. Let's pick up. I noted that in my post-game notes, which are now up on the front page of bloggingtheboys.com. You can read those as of this morning, as we do after every Sunday game and every game in general. But every Sunday, you can look for those on Monday, along with, of course, a new episode of this podcast and First and Ten and the Dallas Cowboys Daily. So, so basically, we got you covered here at Blogging the Boys, and we will all through the bye week. But Davis's blitz pickup was a great example because it created a big play to CDLM, and then they were able to give a similar look when they faked it to him, and I, that set up another big catch for Lamb actually in that same quarter. And then over this bye week, Kellen Moore better find a way to get Malik Davis a touchdown because he was ruled out at the one after initially having a touchdown. And then they faked it to him to get Peyton Hendershot wide open. You know, it's a great example of this team not caring where the ball goes. And Prescott even said that, you know, it doesn't matter how many yards he throws for, anything like that. But, man, you know, to for Malik Davis to be willing to be the dummy on that play just to get Peyton Hendershot wide open after – potentially having his first career touchdown. It did lead to an awesome celebration between him and was it Solcher or Ferguson that he hogtied? I, I can't remember. That was good. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. The lasso celebration, a little Texas rodeo style. So that was an awesome celebration. And, of course, a never touchdown to a tight end, Peyton Henderson. I want to take a closer look at, you know, again, Tony Pollard's career day. He This is his third career game here against the Bears where he had 14 carries or more. Well, 14 is his career high, excuse me. And one of those games was last year against the Giants. And Ezekiel Elliott still played in that game. He had 21 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown to lead the way. And Pollard still took 14 for 75. That was the game at AT AT&T Stadium. That was actually at in person. And it was when Daniel Jones got knocked out. So the Cowboys were really just trying to nose the lead and run the ball quite a bit to uh, get out of there against the backup quarterback, Mike Glennon, for the Giants. Final score in that one, 
44 to 20. 2019 against Washington, again, Pollard's 14 carries still came in the game where Elliott was active. 18 yards, or 18 carries for Zeke, 122 yards in the score, 14 for 60 yards for Pollard. Cowboys won going away again, 47 to 16. And then Sunday against the Bears is the first time where Pollard got this type of workload without Ezekiel Elliott on the field and his 14 carries go for 131 yards. That's a career high. And those three touchdowns, of course, also a career high. They win by 20. Average margin of victory then in those three games where Pollard gets 14 carries, 25 points. But thanks to our great BTB staffer, Dan Rogers, who was on fire on Twitter today, getting bumped by Mika Parsons and everything like that. His fun fact of the day, Cowboys are a perfect 10-0 and Pollard gets at least 12 carries. If you knock it down just from 14 to 12, you have a bigger sample size. They're 10-0 and their average margin of victory still stays at 17 points. So I know Cowboys fans will kind of roll their eyes at Jerry Jones' post-game comment from this one, saying that this team will still go as Zeke goes. But, I mean, the evidence is there that all year long it's worked as far as the tandem between Zeke and Pollard. This game, of course, proved... You know, what many Pollard troopers have been saying all along, that they can forget about Zeke and just give Pollard a full workload. But as long as they have the both of them, I mean, this team can sustain long drives, keep their defense fresher, so they're not giving up these long runs to, you know, mobile quarterbacks like Justin Fields. I do think that had something to do with it as far as just the rate that the Cowboys were scoring at so quickly in some of these opening drives, as opposed to, you know, the longer drives that you can sustain when you're running Elliott between the tackles. But that tandem is something to look for going forward. That's how do you see Pollard's role kind of developing after this career day without Elliott? I think Tony has done this a lot more than we think, right? Tony has done this ever since the the rookie season where Zeke didn't play because of contract negotiations. So in the preseason game in Hawaii, you saw a lot of Tony Pollard downhill, eluding tacklers, finding the goal line. He's got a nose for the end zone. Uh, we saw it back in 2020 when Zeke sat out and he played against the Niners. He was breaking big runs. He was breaking tackles. He was hard to bring down, and the acceleration has always been present with this guy. Whether you give him the ball in space or in between the tackles or with the outside zone, he's just that type of guy where you have to incorporate him in your offense. And I was talking to you know our colleague Tony Catalina about this last night. Uh, actually a Saturday night. And I said to him, I think what's going on here is that with Pollard, they've already signaled they want to have him more involved more than they ever have before. And that actually started when they signed Kamonte Turpin, you know, who's a great return man in, in his own right. The commitment to Turpin was our indicator. And it should have been our indicator way back when that, Hey, this team knows this guy's got to get the ball more. He's got to be more involved. I think with a game like this today, you can honestly tell yourself, we need to do a 50-50 split, if not a 60-40 split with the quote-unquote RB1 only in title, the RB1 being Tony Pollard. You have to do this because if you're going to be more methodical with your offense or even more explosive with your offense, having a guy that can turn a nine-yard run into 15 or 20, you have to do that. There's one run in particular that he had today where he went through the, the middle of the offensive line, he cut it back, and he was contacted, and he had to you know, put his hand in the dirt to keep his balance. I've got to be honest, Zeke Elliott is not going to put his hand in the ground, stay on his feet, and keep running for another 10, 15 yards. It's not going to happen. We've got to be honest about ourselves when it comes to our running, our running backs. And Zeke is still a good back. Zeke can still provide you a lot uh, with both guys together on the field, whether he's going to be a lead blocker for, for Tony Pollard, whether he's going to be a pass protector. Zeke is still a valuable piece. But you'd be fooling yourselves, and I'm sure Jerry is – it's just Jerry speak anyway. 
saying we go as he goes. No, you go as your offense goes. You go as your explosive playmakers go because that's what forces teams to be one-dimensional. What the Bears did today, and I want to have to point this out, the Bears stuck to what they have to do because that's all they have. The Bears ran the ball to our weakness even when it didn't make sense. Down so many points in that game. Most teams understand that, you know what, if we want to win this game, we can't do that. We have to become one-dimensional. So why try to not have your best playmaker in there, give him the ball in space, allow him to, to take the lead here, if you will, and just be the guy. It, 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 it makes no sense to believe that, and it, it's not a detriment to Zeke. It's not about you know the contracts and the money. It's not about that. It's about what makes this team the best team possible. Egos aside, money aside, contracts aside, rhetoric from the ownership aside, what makes us better? And I think you saw today that if Pollard gets enough carries, enough opportunities, he's what's better for this team moving forward. And the reality is you're going to get in games, you know, that are high scoring like this against quarterbacks and offenses more advanced than Justin Fields. I thought, you know, this is one of my first really close looks at Justin Fields, although the Bears have had some primetime games this season, but, you know, first time I've seen him play virtually every snap of a game and, you know, the Bears put up 240 rushing yards against the Cowboys, easily the most that they've allowed all season. 60 of those came from Fields just scrambling around, making those plays. So you're going to get in games against, you know, you could have Jalen Hurts one more time. And I found this interesting, you know, uh, Fields' a stat line, 17 to 23 passing, 151 yards, two touchdowns. And again, there was 60 yards rushing, came on eight attempts. If you look at what Jalen Hurts did to this Cowboys defense, a similar mobile threat type of quarterback, similar style. Almost an, an identical stat line, 15 to 25 passing, 155 yards, only four off from what Fields did on Sunday, and the same two touchdowns, one more rushing attempt uh, with nine carries, but he only went for 27 yards. Hurts rushing attempts come more as a result of kind of short yardage type of plays, and then he's looking to throw the ball downfield, of course, to the likes of A.J. Brown, who had three touchdowns against the Steelers today. So you look at this Cowboys offense, and they're going to have to – you know, like I mentioned before, hold up their end of getting in these high-scoring games. We all love what the Cowboys' defense has done. We all love that Dan Quinn is still here. It's great that you know Parsons is a freak of nature and can score touchdowns on plays where he was originally, you know, being double-team blocked and blocked in the back and held and all that. But you're going to get in these high-scoring games against dynamic offenses, and the Cowboys proved today that they can be one of those dynamic offenses. But you better keep up and you know pick your spots where the defense is still going to be able to make plays. And I think that's exactly what having that element of, you know, being able to have a methodical offense, like you said, and having Elliott back on the field can do for you. But today it was just a sign that, you know, yeah, this defense, maybe they, you know, they are capable of giving up some yards and they will still have an Achilles heel when you, when you can sustain the run against them, like the Bears tried to do until it unraveled again in the fourth quarter. But, you know, they're still going to hold you down to the point where, you gave up 240 rushing yards, but you won by 20. That doesn't just happen every day in the NFL. And, you know, it's a testament to just the team building. This team has done to lean into having a defensive identity, but now learning, of course, that Prescott is fully healthy and, you know, being reminded in a pleasant way what he can do when he's fully healthy, slinging the ball out there to the likes of Dalton Solch and C.D. Lamb. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think that speaks to the this team being so well-rounded. They're so well-rounded. They're so deep at almost every position group you can think of. And today was just a day where the safeties kind of, they, they felt like flies. It just happened where they got beat up. They started to fall off. A lot of guys fell off from injuries today. It, and that's, I'm pretty sure the numbers got worse as the game went along based on having to play 
new guys coming in uh, to pick up the slack for a little bit. But I, I think that's the one thing, though, with this team is that they're very, very deep. So And they're very talented on top of their depth. So some of the mistakes that are going to happen, they can withstand those mistakes. But the way we see this team, and we really believe in this team, is that as we get kind of further along in the process, and I believe this team is one of those teams that are going to be there in the mix towards the end of the year, you have to say to yourself, okay, guys, you're a very good team. You're very talented. You're very deep. The one day that the defense falls backwards because of mistakes like today, can you guys pick us up? Can you do it? And if you believe in Tony Pollard enough to not have to force your head against a brick wall with Ezekiel Elliott, if you believe in Pollard enough, that would be your great equalizer for your own shortcomings of your own mistakes, whether that be from the offensive coordinator who's still kind of finding himself, whether that be from just penalties or just, hey, as you talked about with the Parsons ref ball. So if you have that equalizer in your lineup, it allows you to kind of have some kind of fallback or some kind of margin of error with things that may happen around you apart from your offense. So I, I think just keep that guy in mind and, and always try to incorporate him for, like you said, those 12 touches per game, whether it's in the passing game or the running game. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy postgame speaking about, of course, Pollard and his career day said that we're very fortunate to have this duo of backs. We prepared that way and we schemed that way for Tony to take the lead spot. We planned on to get him around 20 carries and he said if the game would have gone a different direction, he could have gone to 30, but you know, the Cowboys used some of that play action that's been so deadly for him these past couple of weeks with Prescott back in the lineup and opened it up a bit more to continue to put this game away in the second half. So what do you want to see this team do, LP, over the bye week? As I mentioned, they've had the gift of so many lineup changes and things that have kept them from being at full strength to the point where, you know, I don't think anybody can say that this team has peaked too soon, which might have been the case last year, though just getting to their potential peak and using the bye week in the right way is certainly a way to do that and a way to help that along, you know, if you do use it in the right way. So what do we want to see this team work on and come out of the bye week in Green Bay focusing on, on both sides of the ball, whether it's, you know, the obvious answer on offense or more powered and just more of the same with, you know, development and pass protection, Tyler Smith, and what's the final version of this offensive line going to look like. But also on defense, I'm glad you mentioned Damone Clark, who already is making an impact, had some pressure in this game. So linebacker is certainly an evolving position because you can walk safeties like Donovan Wilson down there. You can play Leighton Vanderas, so who I thought played a very strong game on Sunday. Anthony Barr dealing with some injury issues as well. And then Parsons, you know, probably near the top of everybody's list, right with Elliott as far as guys who just health-wise could use this buy the most. So what are we looking for this team? If they get completely right and healthy during the bye to come out and do not only against Green Bay, but just to take that next step. What are the things that, you know, we need to see coming out of a week seven uh, week off for this team along with the Giants who also have their bye in the NFC East? Yeah, I mean, the the health is first and foremost for this team. You want the team to be healthy going into this this, this pivotal run because, hey, we're going to go into that, that run now. Of or into November, then all of a sudden it goes really fast. And this team has to be healthy in that stretch of where you play, I believe, three games in 18 days. So they have to be as fresh, as ready, as mentally prepared as possible. So that's the obvious answer. Uh, still, for me, it's going to be, I talked about it before, but the penalties, clean that part up with the penalties, try to alleviate the mistakes. That's where I really have a problem with the team is that they make way too many mistakes for their own good, for a talented team as good as they are, minimize penalties. And I think today we had an injury to, I believe, Connor McGovern. Um, solidify your plan at left guard. 
whatever that plan is, and you have two weeks to figure this out, solidify that plan. If the plan is going to be Jason Peters at left guard, fine, he's left guard. Let's go with it. If it's going to be Tyler Smith, which I doubt that's what they're going to do. I think they like seeing the draft pick at left tackle to justify the pick anyway, which I'm okay with either way. But solidify that plan at left guard and stick with it, and I want to see whoever has that job take it. So if it's Peters, take the job, solidify, no more rotating snaps. Just get your best five out there and let them gel together as one. That's what I want to see. Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com backslash box. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So as mentioned, the Cowboys, along with also the Giants, will be idle next week. They'll leave the Eagles on Thursday, and the Commanders is the only NFC East teams playing. So come Sunday, Cowboys fans may be looking for some other things to do this week and also enjoying the time off, much like the Cowboys will be. So LP, as we do every week, you know, a fellow front page writer for bargainaboys.com. Give us a little preview of what we can expect to see on the front page of our site as we get into recapping this Bears game and eventually turning the page to the Packers in two weeks here. Definitely coming up on the front page, we're going to see the five stars of the game. Of course, without being too obvious, Pollard is one of them for five stars. Our game ball, uh, I'll leave that one to imagination, but uh, he was first and foremost in control today. So, or uh, rather Sunday. So I'll leave you guys to see that the game ball for Sunday's game, as well as our five stars on the front page of blogging the boys. So let's take our weekly look around the NFC East. The Eagles win 35 to 13 on Sunday home game against the in-state rival Pittsburgh Steelers, who are, you know, going through some quarterback turmoil and just an identity crisis, if you will, for the Steelers. You're just trying to figure out where they are. They've played well at home. They've scored some upsets there, but on the road at the Eagles, of course, the remaining, the lone remaining undefeated team, a much different challenge and one that, you know, defensively really, they weren't ready for either, as I already mentioned, A.J. Brown's free receiving touchdowns to the Eagles. You know, even to this point, I know there, was, there will still be Cowboys fans or even Giants fans or any fans out there who are still holding on to the fact that you can maybe say, oh, they haven't really played anybody, things like that. But, you know, you have to play your schedule and they've proven week in, week out, with a flawless record to this point, that they're going to play their schedule very well. And, you know, they're going all in with the Robert Quinn trade this week. So 35-13, the Eagles stay on top of the East at 7-0. and The Cowboys leapfrog the Giants with an identical record of 6-2. and The Giants' next game, uh, or the Giants have the bye week as well, but they'll lose 27-13 at the Seahawks. Geno Smith has Seattle in first place up there. And now... The Commanders, they get another win with Taylor Heineke. It seems every time they insert him into the lineup, you know, just good things happen. They they grind out wins, and that's exactly what happened for them 
on the road, a one-point win. Terry McLaurin, the game-winning touchdown late in the fourth quarter with just seconds on the clock to go ahead. 17-16, to that was your final commander's win at the Colts. So any other year for the East, we're probably still talking about their 4-4 four and four record being enough for them to be at least pesky and in contention. They're a ways behind, of course, the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants, but their next game is against a familiar friend and co-cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So that's the state of the NFC East and, you know, the NFC as a whole, the Cowboys are now the only second place team in the whole conference that has a winning record. The 49ers are second in the West. They went and beat the Rams today. That only puts their record at four and four. They're still an upcoming team. If you just go look at what Kristen McCaffrey did today, I don't think anybody is going to want to see this 49ers team. Of course, the Cowboys familiar with that based on last year's wild card game. Packers are in action as we're recording this. I have their game on, you know, to my TV off to my right here. They are playing the Buffalo Bills, trying to come from behind. It looks like they just recorded an interception, but nonetheless, the Packers playing at the Bills with a record of three and four. So the best they can do is even a record of 500. And the Bucks fell below 500 with their third straight loss all the way back on Thursday night to the Ravens. They were three and four in the NFC South as well. So, you know, Jerry post game said. If there's a way that they can go all in this year, then they're going to go for it. And the standings to this point throughout the NFC, you know, yeah, you still have to do something about the fact that you're behind the Eagles. But overall in the NFC, you know, not a whole lot of winning records going around for now a Cowboys team that's 6-2 and two, and most of those wins are without their star quarterback even. So, yes, it does make sense for this team to go all in. But at the same time, you know, I think we can all remember that last year's team was supposed to be a version of all in for these guys and the fact that it didn't work led to so many big roster shakeups in the off season and them almost seeming to blow it up and, you know, punt on this season that's now six and two. So, you know, I don't know if we can justify giving up too much future draft capital or too much of this team's future to really have it go all have this team go all in, but what's working for him is still gonna work for him. You know, this defense, this pass rush, those things don't just go away as the season goes on and how deep they are on defense should serve them well going into late November and December. And, you know, the offense is still very much a work in progress, but one that we're all excited to see develop with more, you know, chemistry between Prescott and these tight ends and these receivers. And for me, and I in no way, shape or form mean to absolve the front office of their shortcomings or of their ideologies. I don't absolve them of that. But we have to understand one thing. And I think if Dan was here, he probably would be like, yes, sir. But all in is not about transactions. Okay. Like Robert Quinn going to the Eagles, that's not by itself what they call quote unquote all in. All in is not about the transactions, it's not about the trades, it's not about the rumors of taking uh, Alvin Kamara to the Eagles for draft picks. It's not about the transactions. So I want people to understand something for a second. All in is not about the transactions. It's about the mindset of that. Certain moves that you make, the transaction has a ripple effect based on the players believe we're serious about winning. You're the front office. You're serious about winning. That's what all in really means. It's a, it's a mentality. It's a mindset of being all in. What happened was last year, in contrast, these players, the ones that aren't here, and I'll talk about them. I'll name them Amari Cooper. Cons, they weren't all in kind of guys. They weren't all in about football. They weren't all about football. That's why they're not here anymore. So we can be all in, quote unquote, for you, but we're not all in because you weren't all in. You have to be all in. These guys now, they're all in. 
Your your second year linebacker is your de facto defensive leader. He's an all in kind of guy. Your quarterback is an all in kind of guy. He's always been an all in kind of guy. Dan Quinn is an all in kind of guy. So this team, even Bones Fossil, is an all in kind of guy. You see how much pressure he brings on these punt blocks. That's an all in kind of mentality. Yeah, how so, did Peyton Henderson miss that block? By the way, I, I heard. We've watched this game for a long time. You can <laughs> hear the sound. I heard the sound. I heard it. I, 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 yeah, I think it fooled the Fox camera crew, too. I don't know if they were, yeah, they didn't cut like to where the ball went right away. I think they were looking for it to be rolling around in the end zone and stuff like I, that. So. I heard it. I mean, I heard the, the block punts. I mean, I don't know. Who, who, who knows? But the, the mentality of this team is they have an all-in mindset. So go ahead. If you're Philly, make your transactions. Do what you got to do because either way, you know, games like today, you watch what Justin Fields does against the, the Cowboys – the fan is going to always look at that game, that quarterback, and say, all right, how do we do this against the Eagles? How do we match up against Philly? That's all these Cowboy fans are thinking about. And if you're a Cowboys fan listening to this show, you can't help but think about Philly, what they're doing, and how do we stop that? You're watching the highlights. You're watching them play against Pittsburgh saying, how do we stop that? How do we counteract this zone read? How do we counteract these crossing patterns? How, how do we stop this from happening? And, and that's fine. I think that's great. And, and I think – the Cowboys have that all-in mindset to try to do whatever it takes to win games on a weekend we got base amongst the players. I don't know about the, the front office necessarily, but amongst the players on the field level, they're doing whatever it takes to win these games. And the OC is coming around slowly to help them out. He's finding other ways, other guys to contribute to help out with these wins. You look around the NFC, and it is wide open. It's very much so wide open. But I just have to say this really quickly, and I had to bring this up. The quarterback play throughout the entire NFC has been so subpar from the guys that you expect to be great quarterbacks, the legends, the Rodgers, the Bradys. Those are the, the, the elder statesmen that have not played well. And I don't care about what they have around them. A, for Dak Prescott, it didn't matter. Find a way. They're not finding a way to win these games. Look at the Packers. They're not going to win against a premier team. They're not going to beat them today. It's not going to happen. Brady hasn't been quite Tom Brady himself either. And then you look at guys like that we think are supposed to be these great young up-and-comers. Tyler Murray looks bad. He's not very good. So it's become wide open for you because you guys have the best team, probably the, I want to say, without question, the second best quarterback in the NFC. Maybe. Maybe the best quarterback in the NFC. I'd have to look and see the numbers and how they, they line up, but you have probably the best quarterback, arguably the best quarterback in the NFC in your conference, and he missed four games or five games, and you're still sitting at six and two. You should be very happy with that. And looking at the now the NFC beast, I'll say this though about the Commanders, and I do not like like, like the Commanders. I hate that name too, by the way. Oh yeah. But uh, the Commanders, uh, in that sense, they talk about well, you know, you know, like you say, Philly, right? Philly's played teams that okay, well, they're not very good. The Commanders have beaten teams that. Years prior, they probably wouldn't have beaten. They probably wouldn't have beaten the Packers. They probably wouldn't have came back and won that game against the Colts the way that they did. So the Commanders even earned that kind of respect because the Commanders now are becoming formidable, if not anything else, maybe a wild card push. So you see those teams kind of like coming around. The Commanders are coming around without Carson Wentz and winning these these football games at four and four. Who who thought they'd be five hundred? Like they're five they're five hundred. So that that's one thing. And then you look at the Giants. I think with the Giants. Us and most of the NFL wanted to see with that game today, watch them turn into a pumpkin on offense because they they have been. 
And someone has said this, the way they're winning games was not sustainable. Winning these games of keeping it close to late in the fourth quarter and having uh, Saquon Barkley save them by a big run or a team making a mistake with the ball in their hands, it wasn't sustainable. And the Seahawks kind of live for those types of games, and they just kind of beat them at their own game at home. They sure do, don't they? Don't they? Don't they? So if you're going to look at the way it shapes out, I have a – this weird feeling that all of a sudden the Cowboys and Eagles will stay one and two, and they're going to be on this collision course until the end of the season, staying one and two. But don't be shocked if the Giants take a couple steps back, and don't be shocked if the Commanders kind of walk into that third team conversation, just based on how they play games and how they just find ways to win with a very mediocre schedule, might I add, that they have as well. Just kind of see what happens and kind of observe how that plays out. But I do think that we're, we're, in a great, great spot. We just have to handle our business, take care of our things, and keep the all-in mindset. We're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine. And, you know, Emmett Smith was at this game. They had him up in the Fox booth and had a great moment of him and Moose Johnson, of course, as the broadcast mentioned some of the history of, of course, Smith breaking the all-time rushing lead record and the bright history that both these Cowboys and Bears have at running back. So that was a cool moment, of course, between Emmett and Moose Johnson. And if you go back to there was a portion in this offseason where there's so many former Cowboys in the media now that they all know so well how to say the right things to keep themselves relevant and get in the headlines. And and so it was right after the 49ers game where it just started coming out. You know, it was right, you know, and you, and you all earn this, you know, going into the blogging world now. But, you know, you always like into the 49ers and immediately every blogger has to shift, you know, within minutes really to oh, now it's the off-season content. You know, if you win, you get to immediately start writing about another game. If you lose, it's like, okay, now we get to start writing about the drafts and all these things. So that could be a tough switch to immediately flip. And I feel like these former players, they're all getting quoted right after it. Better than any of the times I've been on the Cowboys beat, realized it this year and all just put their name out there with guys like Troy Aikman who was saying that he wished he was calling that game. And then, you know, who knows what he would have said then about the Cowboys offense and the way they performed against the 49ers, but there were all these quotes coming out basically just of negativity on the fact that, you know, you blew a home playoff game there. And then Emmett Smith, I believe, was the one who said, you know, finally something positive outlook for next year in terms of, yeah, the, the roster's being gutted a bit and everyone's freaking out. What are we doing? Why is Lyle Collins not going to be here? Why is Amari Cooper not going to be here? How are you going to replace these guys? And it was Emmett that said, you know, you can win with less talent if that talent buys in more than, you know, the, the previous guys that you had who may have been the bigger names were on the field. If those guys weren't buying in as much as, you know, a more cohesive unit, but less talent the one that you build, you know, you can go further. And, you know, Cowboys fans, again, still might not want to hear that, but it's playing out, I think, right in front of their eyes. Again, with Emmett Smith at the game today where you saw, you know, an unknown in Peyton Hendershot score a touchdown. You saw Tony Pollard do things that I think we all knew he was capable of, but to an even further extent when it comes for going over 100 yards and having a 16-yard catch and holding up in pass protection and then Malik Davis stepping into the RB2 role and doing those things as well. So, you know, Michael Gallup finally getting back a little bit more involved in the offense. So, you're seeing all the things that you just pointed out, LP, with, you know, the the buy-in and the all-in being more of a mindset and we'll just see how sustainable it is when it comes to trying to chase down an Eagles team that you won't see again until Christmas Eve uh, later on in the year. So, so much will change between now and then, but for now, the Cowboys go into the bye week with a lot to be thankful for. We already mentioned Ezekiel Elliott and Parsons is 
far as guys who could use it the most from a health standpoint. But I think we, we should add the Cowboys secondary to that list. You know, they certainly are banged up. You saw Anthony Brown leave the field while the Bears are driving on that drive extended by a Taunty Golson roughing the passer, which take, took away a Diggs interception. But that's just going to make teams throw away from Diggs even more when they see something like that. And who's going to be that guy that can answer on the other side? Brown has mostly been the answer there. So he, he can use this week off health-wise. And then if it's not going to be Brown consistently, you know, it's just a good week for Deron Bland to see more snaps. Damone Clark, Jaron Coase has been Emily Coco. Both at safety have been dealing with some nagging injuries as well. Of course, Jordan Lewis already out for the season, and Parsons uh, and Elliott are near the top of everybody's list for needing this week health-wise as well. So, LP, we will talk again during the bye week. We'll continue to recap this Bears game and just take inventory a bit on where this Cowboys team is going into the latter part of the season. The schedule is favorable. The division is tough, but you wouldn't want it any other way as they're still competing Absolutely. with a 6-2 and two record. And you know, what are kind of your final thoughts on, again, just what they need to accomplish and what you're looking for coming out of the bye? So I know we're up against time, and I, just it's the way you said it, and I had to think about this real quick. And I know you probably didn't mean to say it like this, and I know we're up against the clock. I get it. I get it. But I got to ask you this question because it's on my mind. And I'm going to be thinking about it a lot if I don't say this. This bye week to me, just to me, for Ezekiel Elliott, is such a critical and key bye week because – of going into the bye and having to hear the chatter and the questions about Tony Pollard, what does he mean? What about your role? This bye week is very important for this Cowboys team. If, if you're a listener to this uh, podcast, you're on our site every day. You're always in the Cowboys news cycle. This bye week, I think, is the one where you need to have your phone notifications on from us and any other Cowboys outlet because I feel like. As this week plays out, where you have your opponent playing on a Thursday, the Eagles, what's going to happen is I think, and Jerry's kind of talked about this because the trade deadline is looming very soon. I think before we take the field for week 10, that is the trade deadline that week. Keep a close eye on what happens this week during the trade deadline because as this team sees the rest of the NFL play out, as they make their preparations, as they make any adjustments to their, to their lineups, their roster, their personnel, be on the lookout because they may say something like, hey, what do we do about this guy? Do we acquire a player? Do we Are we on the trade market? Are we getting rid of a player? Are we losing depth? I think at this point, the way this team is playing such great football, it wouldn't shock me for them to say we can either subtract from this talent to get something more in the future or buy somebody for, for right now and mortgage some of our stock for the future. It wouldn't shock me. I would say keep a close eye on the transaction logs this week and next week. It's going to be a big week in my mind for the Cowboys with the personal acquisition. Well said there, no doubt about it. As always, we thank RJ Ochoa, our managing editor at bloggingtheboys.com, for the opportunity to be a part of the show and to stack up with so many wonderful podcasts that we have all throughout the network. Cowboys Nation, go out and enjoy another week, Victory Monday, another Victory Week, knowing that the Cowboys have a break coming at the right time, it sure seems, like we talked about here. And with that break, you'll get to see the Eagles on Thursday. So a bit of a free NFL Sunday next week looking ahead for Cowboys Nation. So go out and enjoy it, however you may be doing so. I know down here in Texas in the south, maybe a couple more weekends or some warm weather for sure. I was kind of hoping it wouldn't get cold, a little bit colder as quickly as it has here. But we've had some uncharacteristically cloudy and rainy days here in Austin. But nonetheless, 
go out and enjoy another victory week for the Cowboys. They're six and two, Eagles seven and zero, and this chase is going to go all the way down to the end of the season. Exciting stuff ahead, and more from Hidden Yardage and all of our podcasts throughout the week. And we'll be back next Monday to recap it all. For Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL, LP Cruz at SDQ Flight Crew. Signing off, and there it is. Yeah.